We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can Justin Fields resurrect DJ Moore's fantasy value? What does Miles Sanders look like in the Panthers' backfield? How do things shake out at wide receiver in Carolina? We're talking Bears and Panthers projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, back with one of the final episodes of our projection series. Full disclosure, I have recorded this maybe a week in advance of when this will come out. So if there's any major changes, I'll have to re record it. But anything that's fairly small, um, I might not be aware about at the time that I'm recording this versus when you are listening. Nonetheless, let's just start talking about Carolina and Chicago. All right. So let's start here in Chicago, continuing to go alphabetically. This is a team that won just three games last year. Ran 95 plays, less than league average. Even if this team improves in 2023, you're still looking at a team that you would expect to run well below league average in terms of pace, maybe somewhere between 40 to 50 plays below league average. And that would be taking a significant step forward. So Justin Fields last year, absolutely Phenomenal. Uh, and as part of his emergence last year, we saw the team actually run 52% of the time, recording 534 rushing attempts in comparison to 484 rushing attempts. Fields, as a rusher, rushed 160 times for 1,143 yards and eight touchdowns. This gave him, keep in mind, 160 rushing attempts. This gave him a rushing market share for the team of 32%. No matter how you slice it, even if you scale him back by 10%, he's still running so much that it's taking away from what is available 
for the running backs there. Now, we have a situation where it's possible that Fields could out-carry any of the team's running backs. I have scaled him back somewhat from that 32% rate to 26%, which is very high. The thing here is, when we talk about where Fields lands in comparison to other quarterbacks, you have to factor in the potential that I am too low on his rushing share at 26%. And we'll look at the ramifications of that. But as I work my way through a baseline case for this team, that feels to me like the number that I should set. Behind him, you have Khalil Herbert, the rookie Roshan Johnson, the wily old veteran at this point, Donta Foreman, and the workload needs to get split between them. I have Herbert and Johnson uh, with 29 and 27% respectively. Foreman still getting 17%. So I am not forecasting any one of these backs as really running away with the workload. I think that it might be tempting to think that one of these players wins things in the context of maybe getting like a 50% share. But at this point in time, I don't think that it's particularly clear to me that you see one of these backs run away with a majority of the rushing share that's left after you account for fields. I don't think that you see any of the backs in this offense having greater than average efficiency Combined, though, I do have the trio actually scoring 12 rushing touchdowns. I do have Justin Fields at eight. This would put the team with 20 rushing touchdowns. Now, last year, you had the team's RB1 punching in just five touchdowns. You had the team's RB2 punching in four So that was nine touchdowns from the running backs and the RB three also did did not record a touchdown. So a little bit of an uptick this year um, for the offense in terms of total rushing touchdowns Um, in terms of receiving work. I have Herbert getting around a 7% share. The only receiver on this team to go higher, or excuse me, the only back with a higher share than 3% of targets. I do have Herbert getting three receiving touchdowns. If you look at what Herbert did last year as a receiver, he only had um, nine receptions on 12 targets. So I think this is one spot where I might be, that was a target share though, a 4% in the 13 games that he did play. Uh, I could be too high here. No doubt about that. And the receiving touchdown mark that I have for him uh, might be too high as well. Did have the one touchdown on just those nine receptions last year. Nonetheless, though, in this baseline projection that we have, you're not going to see any of these Chicago backs being... Uh, clear RB2s or even clear RB3s for that matter as Herbert comes in at 34. I do have Roshan Johnson at 44. If you do the experiment though of saying, all right, let's see if Roshan Johnson jumps up from 27% to like a rushing share of 40% 
and you assume that he's not very active as a wide receiver, if that were to happen, you'd have Roshan Johnson making his way up to RB35. On top of that, if he could secure maybe a target share of 5%, this would put him in at RB... Uh, 33. So if you're of the opinion that Johnson gets more of the work without running away with things than Herbert, uh, you see him probably then as an RB three, uh, if something did happen where Johnson actually got a 50% share, you then see him make his way up to RB 25. Alternatively, if we scale things back for Johnson and assume that maybe Herbert could get a 45% rush share, but uh, holds a 7% target share, even if we just leave it at that number, in that scenario, you have Herbert looking more like a back-end RB2 with a rank of 23, and to get him firmly inside the RB2 range, you could do that if you set his rushing share to... 50% and that would get him into low end RB2 range. So there's a lot of upside for both of these players, which is why I think that people are particularly interested in getting these guys later where they are, uh, because there is naturally going to be some upside if one of them can go in and control that backfield. Um, and it, I mean, a lot of this drives on the fact that there's a lot of rushing volume, even when you take out what's there for fields. I mean, a share of 50% puts one of these guys in around 268 uh, rushing attempts at a share of closer to 35%. They'd still be recording almost 200 rushing attempts. So, I think that um, where these guys are going in ADP, they are both kind of interesting. The one wild card in all of this is that it's possible that Foreman could be more involved than my baseline projection is assuming, at which point then things get really murky, really murky for this backfield. Uh, I would say that the numbers I have for them are probably fairly conservative fairly conservative in my baseline. But let's look at the team's wide receivers. Now, DJ Moore comes into the situation this year. Behind him, you have Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. I think Tyler Scott could challenge as the wide receiver four. At tight end, you're going to have Cole Komet and good old Bobby Tunyon. I want to start by talking about Komet, though and kind of work our way backwards to the wide receivers. Last year, we saw Komet control a target share of 19%. He was at 17% the year prior. I think that this year, you do see him stay pretty fairly involved, but I have scaled him back to 15%. That's because I expect that you could see Tunyon getting more usage than you had for the tight end two on the team last year, who was at a target share of just 2%, I think he could get closer to around 8%. You're seeing um, 
both of these players get involved at tight end. And then I have DJ Moore getting a target share of 25%. And then you have Darnell Mooney around 18%. And you can see why you would scale back commit a little bit. Darnell Mooney last year controlled a target share of 25%. I would expect that this team would want to have DJ Moore getting a higher target share. So setting things at 25 feels very reasonable. And we'll look at what he stands to gain if he could pull in another two to three percent. So as far as the wide receivers go on this team, I am not projecting a lot of efficiency Uh, In terms of receiving touchdowns, these are guys that I expect to be pretty solid in terms of yards per reception. But even with like a a 8% receiving touchdown rate for DJ Moore on the total targets that are available, that only gets him to five receiving touchdowns. And it's probably worth noting though, DJ Moore, I do not have projected with a solid catch rate. Uh, Throughout his career, he's been pretty low, and I don't think that he's been at uh, last three years under 57% catch rate in all of those years. I don't think that I'm going to have him come into this offense here and and think that Justin Fields jumps him up like 10% into the 60s or so. So these wide receivers um, all combining between them in my projection here for just 13 receiving touchdowns. I do have commit at four. Um, DJ Moore, I think you're going to be disappointed when you hear where this baseline gets him because you end up with him going for just 845 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, 65 receptions. And this makes him just the wide receiver 45 in the baseline projection. No surprise then. Darnell Mooney coming in at wide receiver 61. And then Chase Claypool very far behind at wide receiver 98. This is why when you've heard Curtis and I talking about best ball teams and not wanting to go naked DJ Moore, meaning DJ Moore without Justin Fields. That's a lot of the reason. Um, I think from a redraft perspective, I'm not that excited about going after DJ Moore this year, uh, even with an ADP that could fall, you know, to mid twenties or, e- or even a little bit later, there's going to be other players that I would prefer just to experiment here though, a little bit. Let's say that you, CGJ DJ Moore get a catch rate of maybe 60% to 6% increase over my baseline projection. Let's say he gets to a target share of 28%. And you're now looking at a line for him of 1,066 yards, 82 receptions and seven receiving touchdowns. Where does that push him to? Well, that only moves him up to wide receiver 26 which yeah, that's a jump of around 20 ranks in wide receiver ranking, but not getting him that far ahead of where you would like to see a player like DJ Moore be. And if I go into an underdog draft right now and I look at wide receivers, I see DJ Moore 
going at wide receiver 22. I don't know his FFPC ADP off the top of my head, but point being, I find DJ Moore at ADP a pretty risky pick this year. Um, I, I think just the numbers that we went through there really illustrate it. Uh, Darnell Mooney, if he could get up to a target share at 22%, which would be a 4% increase, he would become the wide receiver 46. So I think in a best case scenario for Mooney this year, you're probably looking at him as a wide receiver four, barring nothing major shaking up this offense. And then Claypool is not going to be much of a factor. So we don't have to look at that. Tyler Scott, uh, I do like as a rookie, but in this offense, not much of a path to him being relevant. Cole Komet though, is definitely worth drilling into here. Uh, as I mentioned, the projection for him gets him to 50 receptions, 530 yards, and four receiving touchdowns among tight ends. This does get him to tight end 15, going somewhere around ADP. But even if I'm just a little bit off on Cole Komet uh, with a target share of 15%, and we jump him up to a target share of 17%, we pull in six more catches. Uh, a little bit more in terms of yardage, and that gets him up to tight end 12. Uh, definitely a potential for Cole Komet to finish in the back end of tight end one rankings, uh, but I'm not seeing too much upside on top of that. Uh, in terms of downside, though, I think that in a really low case scenario for Komet this year, you'd still see him come in... Mm, I don't really see him dropping down to a target share of 13%. If he did drop down to 13%, then he's a fringe tight end too. So larger takeaways for Chicago. I think that Komet's very fairly priced at ADP. I would be avoiding DJ Moore. Not very jazzed up about Darnell Mooney. As far as the backs go, if their ADP stay depressed, I still have some level of interest in Herbert and Johnson as in the context of the split I talked about where Foreman's going under 20%, you subtract Fields work and you kind of see how things shake out for them uh, with some type of split between the two. They could be RB3 in, our, in the RB3 and the RB4 range, which I think at their ADP would have a level of utility and then there is some upside on top of that. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account in 
use the code ROTOVIZ for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ROTOVIZ for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What you're probably more interested in is how high can we get Justin Fields in just a baseline type of scenario. And then if we make some tweaks, what happens? So as I mentioned, our baseline assumption here is a rushing workload of 26% for Justin Fields, which gets him to 764 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. That though only places him in at QB nine, actually behind Trevor Lawrence by just a little bit and ahead of Tua by like nine points. But he did get to 32% of rushes last year. Let's just put him at a number like 30% for his rushing workload. That then moves Fields up to QB7. What we probably need to see is a couple extra passing touchdowns because my projection has him at just 3,424 passing yards 21 passing touchdowns, which I think it's worth noting is a pretty significant increase over last year. Now, last year, well, actually, I take that back because last year in it was 15 games, he put up 17 passing touchdowns. So moving up to 21 
really isn't too wild. Um, but if his completion rate went up a couple of percent, because last year he was at 60%. So maybe it's hard to think it gets up much more than the 62% that I have him at. The touchdowns maybe could go up another two touchdowns. I'm just going to punch these in here uh, for DJ Moore and let's see what happens for fields. What you're going to see is him then bounce up if we do that and surpass Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins in these projections. But barring him... Barring him putting up maybe an extra four to five passing touchdowns over what you'd expect or getting to maybe 11 rushing touchdowns, I think that you have to keep him in that uh, range with guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert as opposed to shooting him over them. Um, but that's kind of from a projection standpoint and maybe not capturing all of the upside that's really out there for fields. Because uh, I do think it's possible you see some just absolutely bananas things from him, uh, which then could get him into that range with like Lamar Jackson, maybe a little bit behind Josh Allen. Um, in a redraft league, though, especially in some of the smaller configurations that you might be in where you don't have many starting players... I'm not sure that I'm going to prioritize fields in a fashion that makes me go for him earlier than I would a Justin Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence or maybe even like a, like a Tua or a Kirk. So hopefully that gives you some extra context there that you can run away with uh, as you get to drafting for Chicago. Now, Let's make our way over to Carolina. We have a rookie passer this year, new running back. We have a couple of older wide receivers at this point, uh, particularly in Adam Thielen. You got DJ Chark there. You have a rookie, though, in Jonathan Mingo. Another wide receiver in Terrace Marshall Jr. that people are still thinking has some potential. Although as the seasons tick on by, the potential of him or the prospect of him realizing that potential dwindles. And you got Hayden Hurst at tight end backed up likely by Ian Thomas. All right. Last year, Carolina went seven and ten. I'm not going to sit here and say that I expect them to do much differently this year to take a major step ahead. Uh, they were 74 plays behind league, or excuse me, 90 plays behind league average last year. I have them 74 plays behind league average this year, uh, 53% to 47% split between the pass and the rush. They have been kind of up and down, um, the last couple of seasons, last year, 49%, 51% rushing. Um, Bryce Young, I have with a rushing share of around 15%. This leaves us with a nice portion of uh, workload that we can give out to the running backs. I have Miles Sanders with a 52% rushing share, 7% target share. Then Raheem Blackshear and uh, Chuba Hubbard, 
going fairly uh, split there on the remaining work. I don't think that Miles Sanders is going to be very efficient um, as a rusher. Five rushing touchdowns, 912 rushing yards. I was kind, though, and gave him two receiving touchdowns, an extra 27 receptions. This makes him the RB 28. Where could there be a pickup for him? Well, uh, I have him at 52%. Let's say he got to a rushing share of 58%, and maybe he gets to a target share of 9%. He will rise up, and he will make his way to RB21, but the challenge is not expecting him to be overly efficient in that Carolina offense. Those jumps in shares don't manifest into more than just one extra touchdown that you would project in a couple of extra receptions. So they don't really move the needle that much for him. Um, Downside for Miles Sanders versus what I have him at. I don't know. Maybe you get like a rush share of 48%, maybe a target share of around 6%. Your numbers everywhere else aren't that great. And then you end up with Miles Sanders looking more like the RB32. So not a lot of upside that you can build in for Sanders. Definitely looks like he's destined to be a low-end RB2 or an RB3. At wide receiver, a little bit challenging to figure out how things are going to play out this year. Uh... As a result of that, I have Adam Thielen and DJ Chark with an even split here controlling 18% of the shares. The rookie Jonathan Mingo getting 14%, then Terrace Marshall Jr. down at 12%. Hayden Hurst having some involvement at 13%, but this is a pretty flat uh, projection among the options available there for Bryce Young to pass to. Chark and Thielen and Mingo, none of them projected to be particularly efficient uh, playing with a younger passer and a team that we're not really that sure about. At this point, Adam Thielen becomes the best option here Uh, with a baseline projection that gets him to wide receiver 54. Chark just a little bit behind at 57. Mingo at 82. Marshall at 89. What happens here if you have DJ Chark take a huge jump from like 18% to 25%? That would have him move from... Uh, that would put him up to wide receiver 33, but that's an increase of a target in target share of 7%. Um, you know, if we, if we make that move for Adam Thielen and we have him make the jump up to 25% here, he's going to move up too, and we would see him make a jump and then all of a sudden be, the wide receiver, 29. You might think that I don't even need to go into the downside case for these guys because their baseline kind of is already 
a downside case uh, or that we don't need to go much further. And that might be true. So I think there are wide ranges of outcomes for the wide receivers. They're okay as later round options, but I'm not really um, too excited about them. And I think it's hard to really get your head around the different ways that things play out for them this year in a positive way, other than Bryce Young just being really, really good, or one of these wide receivers managing to push all of the others far off. But with where they are at in their careers, their level of talent, uh, it seems to me like you're more likely to have a fairly even split uh, in terms of workload for them. Finally, Hayden Hurst could finish with around three receiving touchdowns, 455 yards, 50 receptions. Looks like a back-end tight end, too. Um, I think could be a player that's fine to have as your backup tight end. Maybe you could leave the draft with him as your backup tight end or a player to keep in mind uh, in shallow leagues to look at in the waiver wire for when you find yourself in need of a tight end for a spot start here and there. Uh, but really not a lot of fantasy relevance coming out of Carolina, in my opinion, even with ADP that's reflecting the fact that, you know, we're not too sure about this Carolina team. There's not too much optimism. In terms of Bryce Young, though, um, I was kind of surprised when I went through my projections the first time to see where he ended up, made some tweaks, we end up with Bryce Young at 20 passing touchdowns, only 3,165 passing yards. Did give him three rushing touchdowns, an extra 300 yards as a rusher. And that ended up placing him in at QB 28. Uh, when I made my first pass, he was a little bit higher. Uh, but I think that um, heading into the season now, I'm looking at him more as a fringe kind of QB 2. I think still a quarterback that's in the conversation of getting drafted as a starting quarterback in a super flex league probably deserves to be drafted among quarterbacks in super flex leagues. Uh, but again, my larger takeaway here, probably in line with what you would think is that even when controlling for ADP, there's really not a lot of exciting fantasy options in Carolina. All right, we have just a couple teams left to do. There's going to be two episodes. Next time around, we're going to look at Baltimore and Buffalo. Then we're going to look at Arizona and Atlanta. And we will be through all of the teams. I think after we make our way through, we'll come back and kind of do a recap episode where we talk about any big changes that I may have made between when I started recording these and the current day and any tweaks that we have to make for new information that has come to light. Um, potentially some of these running back signings. Um, I'd imagine those would be the biggest pieces of news. And unfortunately, we'll probably see a big injury or two maybe by the time I'm done recording all of these. All right. Good chatting with you and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.